Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. I'm John Moran. Today we have a special treat. We're launching our new series for the podcast. This is going to be called The Voices of Influence, and it's going to be sponsored by the Arkansas 529 program. This is going to be a longer form interview format that is going to have our co-host, Emma Willis, who is here with me. And we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, introducing our new program before we share our first interview for the Voices of Influence that we had with Commissioner Johnny Key of the Arkansas Department of Education. So, Emma, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the new uh, Voices of Influence podcast, and we'll get started with our interview with Johnny Key. Good afternoon, morning, or good night to everybody. Um, I'm excited to be a part of this podcast, and it's not going to be your traditional podcast. So we're moving away from the standard Q&A, and we're giving you an honest representation of the people who we identify as influencers here in the state of Arkansas. Um, Our interview with Commissioner Key was both funny, interesting, and I would say exciting. Um, So sit back and enjoy what we're able to do and bring you here with Voices of Influence. Thank you, Emma. And so we'll get started with our interview with Johnny Key. Emma and I are visiting with the former state senator, Johnny Key, and director of the Department of Education, uh, soon to be secretary of education, uh, with the uh, transformation bills that are going through through the uh, House and the Senate. So um, I guess we can start off with that. Uh, you're going to have a pretty big role because this is the first time in, I guess, 40-something years they've tried to realign state government, and uh, um, you're going to bring in some more people underneath you. Uh, uh, what, what, are your, uh, uh, what are you anticipating with that in, uh, in the new Department of Education as secretary? Well, you know, first, I just let me clarify that governor's said he's not really going to talk about who will be the secretaries until yeah. uh, May. I, I know there's a lot of talk. Uh, mm-hmm. about me in that role. I don't want to presume that, but uh, certainly it is a, uh, a huge shift. And I think it's a positive shift from the standpoint that, uh, you know, the, the secretary of education uh, in this transformed government is going to have a huge responsibility to make sure that there's coordination uh, that, you know, there, there hasn't always been with respect to uh, K-12, or now it will be pre-K to 16 or even 20, when you think about higher ed, and into the workforce. Uh, so, you know, what I anticipate is over the next, you know, it's not going to be immediate, but over the next few years, um, you're going to see a lot more of the silos in education, uh, at least it might not come down all the way, um, mm-hmm. but I think you're going to see a few more windows and doors mm-hmm. uh, where the various segments of our education system will be able to work better uh, with the other segments of the, the education system. And I think from the state government standpoint, you know, that shared services approach uh, that's part of transformation, I think you will see that uh, enter into all of those cabinet agencies. Uh, it just makes sense. You know, we, we have uh, right now at the current Department of Education a great legal team. Um, there's no reason that that legal team couldn't assist with the work of the higher ed uh, division, uh, the career ed division, the other divisions, Martin Luther King Jr. Commission. I mean, there will be a lot of opportunities for us to, uh, to, to collaborate 
with those types of services, HR services, um, the, just a number of things that make sense that you're seeing at the uh, state level uh, with shared services, a number of those things that are going to be coming under a secretary. It just makes sense for us to look at it uh, at the agency level or the, the new department level. Um, I think that the, the important part, though, too, is taxpayers are going to see a difference in time. I think they're going to see, uh, again, better working together uh, with the, the various uh, agencies that now come under that umbrella. And hopefully it will uh, really align that student-parent experience mm -hmm. from the beginning uh, when they're maybe three or four years old, the first time they go to a, an ABC program, yeah. all the way through to the point that they graduate from a two-year, four-year institution or even get a, uh, an advanced degree. So uh, we, we believe that uh, it's really exciting. I mean, I think it's exciting mm -hmm. that uh, what the potential is for this, uh, especially in education, uh, but also for government mm -hmm. on a broader sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of questions about it, but I think there's also a lot of people that are looking at it as yeah. something that's probably been needed to been done for a few years, and uh, it's not without its uh, snags. Uh, that's why it hasn't been done in a few years. Well, and, and you know, and, and I've been I was in the legislature when previous governors tried to tackle some pretty significant changes, that on, but a much smaller scale. Mm -hmm. You know, we we can we don't have to look back too far to see. Uh, the conversations about creating a department of agriculture mm -hmm. um, that was that that was a very tumultuous time <laughs> yes, <it was>. yeah. <laughs> uh, but i think if you look at the benefits that came from that i, mm -hmm. I think with that department of agriculture and, and i'll have to admit as a, as a member who was you know being uh, pushed and pulled different ways on that and i could see always try to see both sides and understand both sides but I think now as we look, uh, Arkansas is a stronger player on the inter international scene, mm -hmm. which was one of the predictions, which was one of the goals. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the, those risks are there in this complete transformation, mm -hmm. but I think the rewards uh, are, are there as well. Good. Well, we'll get into some of the, uh, the more uh, leadership-style questions and how you kind of – what forms your – thought and approach the way you do things and I think Emma's got a couple of questions I there. I do. Let's line it up just a little bit. You weren't kidding when you said you could talk for a long time. There was no short answer. So, That's right. <clears throat> um, so we're talking about leadership and for me you always have those people in your life that really are your influencers and I know John kind of put it, how did you put it earlier John, is that uh, it's either that character or that, that larger-than-life figure yeah. that everybody kind of looks up to. Who is that person for you? Well, I mean, my, my parents, obviously. I mean, they just, the foundation that they set, there was uh, stability you know, from the beginning. That uh, And my sister and I never, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know because <laughs> the good things we knew and the things where we struggled as a family, we were shielded from that. We, we didn't know. You know, uh, when the first home that I remember was uh, a trailer up on the hill down the road, down Red Springs Road outside of Garden, Arkansas, from uh, where my grandparents lived. And we had a, a trailer uh, mm -hmm. that we lived in. A lot of people, you know, like 
We wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> like, no, because, you know, that's the thing. The people's stories in Arkansas, you just never do know where yeah. they start. And, um, you know, they lived in Gurdon. My dad worked in Arkadelphia. My mom uh, stayed at home with us until um, we got old enough to kind of fend for ourselves after school and mm-hmm. stay with neighbors. And then she went back to school. She went back to school to become a teacher. Um, and so I remember in the early 80s, you know, when um, when education, again, was at the forefront of the topic and uh, of the state conversation, um, you know, she was finishing her degree at Henderson, Henderson State University. I got to go with her and sit in on some of her classes. I think maybe I probably slept through uh, a lot of those classes because I had no idea uh, what, what was being talked about. But, you know, she then she went and taught 31 years uh, so that was a big influence uh, for me and you know she knew because of her struggles mm-hmm. uh, when she was younger as a student um, reading was absolutely paramount you know she taught typically first grade but she did kindergarten first grade I think uh, a couple of years she might have done second grade but I always wanted to come back to first grade because that's you know that's what that's that reading grade is, that's yeah. that's that foundation um, and so that drives a lot of my focus mm-hmm. as commissioner of education. If, yeah. if we don't teach our kids to read in this state, um, we are forever putting them behind mm-hmm. uh, their capacity to, to influence their community, to impact their economy, to impact their personal family lives. Mm-hmm. We're putting them behind. So um, you know, that, that's something that I got from my mom that was just, it's a must. It's mm-hmm. a have to. Well, tell me a little bit about your mom, because I think she had some roles in Economics Arkansas yeah. and a, a couple of other really great organizations around yeah. the state. Yeah, she, when she went, you know, she, you know, we started, she started teaching in Gurdon, mm-hmm. and then my freshman, after my freshman year at the University of Arkansas, they got an opportunity, as so many others in the state have, to move to Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. and she was able to get into Springdale, which, you know, at the time, I didn't realize how significant that was. Um, but Springdale hires good teachers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Dr. Rollins has done such a great job with his leadership there for so many years uh, that that opened greater opportunities for my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Economics Arkansas was one of those. She, um, I remember a lot of the projects that she would do with her kids at George Elementary and opportunities that they never would have dreamed of having field trips and uh, you know learning about uh, the elements of uh, the, the economy that if, in a way a first grader right. can understand it. And she stayed with that. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I, she's the reason I got involved with Economics Arkansas and I became uh, an elected, you know, elected to the house um, because you know she she saw the importance of it. She saw what it was doing for her kids, not just. Um, from a from an economic standpoint, but from a broader learning, you know that whole child uh, aspect of, of education. Uh, so it's it's a great um, great organization. They do great work in the state, and I'm very happy to support that. I look at it as kind of an ongoing legacy of my mom's work. Yeah, and that's great because she's an unconventional student for all intents and purposes. No, she I mean, was. She raised a family and then finished school. Yeah, she that's did. Awesome. So you got to see this from different perspectives. So you understand the struggles of education. Yeah, I mean, you know, she she took in sewing because mm-hmm. when she was when she first went to the University of Arkansas uh, in 1967, uh, she was pursuing a home ec degree. 
Well, then she met a sailor who, <laughs> who ended up, turned out to be my dad. And, uh, a sailor in Arkansas, uh, no doubt. Yeah, a that's right. That's Ar- right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he had served four years uh, in the Navy and came back. And, you know, that her education was put on hold, but she never gave up on it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, definitely non traditional uh, before I think we even knew what that term yeah. meant. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a great story. I don't think too many people know that. I mean, I, I got to know that the more I'm, I'm working within education, but I always hear the murmurs of Mama Key yeah. and the things that she's done. But that's a great, that's a great influencer. That's well, a great parent. And, and, and as in, so the day we're recording this, she just got back from a trip to Honduras uh, where she goes and, and ministers to people in the mountains, very rural areas of Honduras, works with a missionary down there, goes down there probably four or five times a year. And it was something she and my dad did, and now uh, she's continuing that uh, after losing my dad last year. Mm. Wow, what a great role model. Yeah. She is setting an example for everybody. Yeah. Her work continues uh, on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and the contacts that she has made through education, uh, you know, she has a lot of friends that Mm -hmm. uh, help her with Mm -hmm. that. You know, folks that say, well... I can't go, but because you're going, I want to help. So I'm going to donate. You know, they donate cash or they donate clothes or they donate. And she takes 70-pound full-to-the-brim suitcases, <laughs> uh, at least two and sometimes three, depending on, uh, you know, what, how she can fly down uh, every trip that she goes. And, uh, again, she's she's a great inspiration. That is impressive and quite a pair of shoes to feel. Yeah, oh, I'll never nice. fill them. I mean, I just don't think I can ever fill those. Uh, just her heart's so big on uh, to, to reach out and meet the needs of people. All right. And if your mom had to describe you in one word, what would it be? I don't think she could. She's a mom, so I'm not sure one word. That you got to give, give it a she, try. If, if anybody said um, Johnny, one word, what do you got? Uh, I think she would, I think she would just say proud, you know, that's great. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's good. Well, um, We'll jump back over into the policy side a little bit. Uh, you've been around state government for a while. You know, you've yeah. been serving in the House and serving in the Senate, and now in your current role. And um, um, you've served also under several governors and uh, legislative leadership over the years. Uh, uh, what are some of the lessons you've learned from these folks, governors and legislative leaders, that? Uh, you've incorporated into your own role as a director or, you know, uh, how you approach things. How does that help mold some, some examples of some from yeah. different ones on that? Well, I, you know, one thing that I brought with me to the Department of Education was understanding I don't have all the answers. I didn't have all the answers when I was in the legislature. Uh, so you really have to listen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I count it as a great blessing to have been in the legislature just starting at the point that the, you know, after the Lakeview decision came down in 2002, uh, at least that version of the Lakeview decision. Mm-hmm. But that's the one that really got things rolling. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, I, I credit the, you know, Governor Huckabee at the time, uh, then Attorney General Beebe. And the work that was going on then, I think we really got serious about it. But I didn't know. You know, I, I, I hadn't been in those conversations. But the leadership at the time um, understood that, okay, with, with term limits, the folks that did know and did have the experience, they weren't going to be there. 
-hmm. So they didn't close the rooms off to the rest of us. They opened it up. We got to sit in the committee meetings. And I made a point to to be there at those committee meetings and listen to the Auden and Pika study, listen to... Oh, that's uh, a term I haven't heard in a while. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I go back to it because there was so much great foundation that we established there. Um, But all the way, you know, drawing from uh, the the Alma V. Dupree case, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things that... um, led us to the point that we got to, um, you know, in 2002. And then uh, the the famous uh, Christmas special session yeah. know, that turned I in 2003, yes. 2004, turned out to be the longest special session in the history of uh, yes. the state of Arkansas. You know, I, I can't, I couldn't think of, and I've told some of my colleagues that, we, we could not have asked for a better experience to learn how to be legislators, in my opinion. I've been on the quorum court before that, so I think that was definitely uh, would want to add that to part of the foundation of uh, how to govern. But it's it's that listening and not closing things off uh, to to people who they didn't have to let a freshman, they didn't have, even have to let me in the committee room, you know. Mm-hmm. But but they did, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's uh, and then I learned a lot. The the you know there's always the back and forth, the competition the, uh, between the House and the Senate. But at that time, what I saw was a House and Senate that really worked. They didn't always agree, but they worked together to get to a, a better end place. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to bring that experience to the department, knowing that I don't have all the answers, knowing that certainly as a, a non-traditional choice for leading the Department of Education, uh, as my background was not in education, um, but, but I had experience with leadership, and, and observing leadership and knowing that, look, I have the experts here. Uh, we, we have a lot of knowledge with the, and a lot of experience with the folks that are here. And, um, you know, really making it, let's spread this around. Let's spread the responsibility around. Ultimately, I, it's the responsibility is on the commissioner. But when you extend that and you, give, you show faith in the ability of your team, that's going to come back to you. That's going to have positive returns in the outcome. And I think the last four years in the department, uh, we have we have seen a lot of uh, of that positive, those positive results uh, from giving folks the opportunity to step up, show what you can do, and you know what? Sometimes things didn't work. We we say okay, that didn't work, and then we we do something different. Uh, so it's a lot like you know the uh, the good business leaders that you learn mm-hmm. from, you know, especially in Arkansas. You know, just the history of business leaders in our state. Um, you know, John Maxwell. I, like, I read a lot of John Maxwell's uh, books and his writings, the, um, <clears throat> and, and the leadership style that he uh, that he encourages. I try to emulate that. Uh, I just think there's a lot of strength in uh, allowing your team to be a team. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's good. I want to follow up real quick because you pointed to it a little bit about being a freshman on the scene in the legislature as Lakeview was, you know, the, the result of the court decision and how the legislature was having to deal with it then, which is what y'all came up with then is what we're currently operating mm-hmm. under. And you talked a little bit about, you know, the, uh, I guess, the foreshadowing or the uh, ability for leaders back then to recognize under term limits, not everybody's going to be there, but this is a plan we've got to have that, <clears throat> excuse me, that will sustain over 
several, you know, cycles of legislators. Um, are we in danger of, you know, losing a lot of that uh, knowledge and education on Lakeview in particular and the decision that we're currently operating under from the court? Are we, are we in danger of slipping back? Yeah. You know, because we've got, I've had some conversations with legislators that have had questions, you know, about specific things that are a result of the Lakeview decision. And I look at them like, Man, that was a pretty hard fought battle. And if yeah. you go back and try to undo that, we're going to be back in court again. That's always a risk. And, and that's why that Act 59, the ongoing adequacy, you know, that the, the study of that, making sure that that process is robust, I think has protected us from slipping back. Um, there is a risk. Um, you know, every new cycle, every new uh, election cycle, brings folks in that that just they they they, they don't know. They they don't know all of the uh, those hard decisions that were made. Uh, it's not that they're, you know, it's not their fault. They just mm -hmm. you know, you it's institutional memory. We talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, with term limits, institutional memory goes away in time. And that was when I was chair of the Senate Ed Committee. That's why I wanted to bring Odden and Pikus back because mm -hmm. uh, they had not been back since 2006. Yeah. And I wanted to bring them back. And in uh, 2013, 2014, we said, hey, we want you to look to see uh, where we are. And they're, you know, obviously their research had moved some things and, and tweaked some things. And if they were redoing it, they said, this is what we would tell you to do now. Mm -hmm. But we looked at what you've done. And it's holding up well. Yeah. And I think that was their exact words. It's holding up well. Um, but it's, you know, the if we ever stop diligently looking into what is educational adequacy, then we would we, we do run the risk of, of being back in a court situation. Um, but I don't, I really don't foresee that happening anytime soon because you've, the diligence of the legislature, the diligence of uh, the executive branch to make sure that you know we stay. It, it looks different now. Education looks different now than it did in 2003. Far different. Mm -hmm. um, so as we see those differences happening, how do we make sure that our system is still in the right place? And there have been changes made through the years, tweaks here and there, adjustments that have been made, and then we'll continue to do. Uh, they'll continue to make those adjustments. Our role at the department is to make sure that we give them as much information as we can mm -hmm. um, about what what is coming on the horizon mm -hmm. or what has shifted and how does that impact the, the policies, the budget, those things that they are responsible uh, for the, taking care of at the General Assembly. Yeah, the biggest thing I hear from legislators, and it's usually like you pointed out from new legislators or you know folks that weren't around back then, is the district size yeah. and I distinctly remember in 2003 Governor Huckabee in his state of the state address to you as a legislator uh, freshman legislator in the, yeah. in the hall that day he specifically in his address said uh, I want to consolidate all the districts and 1500 was the number right mm. yeah and and yeah. so when these legislators say well why do you, we're a good school and we've got 300 we're risk going under 350 and we don't want to do that 
we ought to repeal that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a hard fought number was three fifty because it was it went from fifteen hundred to seven hundred yeah. to you know when and it if you remember that had to, uh, I believe that had to have sixty seven votes. Yeah, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly because yeah. I remember. When we got to 350, that's when enough people could get over to, to you know. Uh, but, but 350 did have some uh, historic significance because that was the number that I think back in 47, I think yeah. they had landed on. Um, over time, you know, just like government transformation, you know, over time things in government get bigger. Uh, over time, communities change, shift, and those school districts sometimes got bigger. Some of them got smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, a risk on that 350, and having lived through that process, I'm very sensitive to that. So I, do, I am concerned when I see uh, legislation that, you know, allow gives more allowances for a district that does fall below 350. Not saying that's not a good district. I point to uh, a district like Ozark Mountain School District in North Central Arkansas, where they have uh, St. Joe, Western Grove, and Bruno Pyatt. Mm-hmm. I believe are the, the the three that make up that district, and it's uh, it's one of those where they're showing you how you can do this. They have K twelve. Everybody has their mascot. Everybody has their high school. Their community is still close knit, but they operate under the umbrella of one uh, administrative district. Mm-hmm. Uh, there aren't very many examples of that uh, out there, but you know you see a number of districts that are below uh, now or getting close. And how we respond to that, I think, uh, is important. Uh, because have some that say, well, you need to give them more money because the funding formula isn't, isn't built for those below 500. Mm-hmm. And my response is, you're right. But the deal that we made was those below 500 said, we'll live with this. Just let us, mm-hmm. you know, let us uh, show you we can make it. And some of them have done a great job. Some of them are going to struggle. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, we always have to be diligent to make sure we don't undo and unwind too much of what set the foundation of uh, of our work. Then, yeah. Emma, I've been talking too much. You ask. Huh. Oh, this is all great for me because now it's all bringing back. Like I graduated in two thousand two from high school, so all of this is. Um, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and right down memory lane, and I'm thinking of conversations in, in the kitchen with my parents about these different topics. And um, it just all brought up, you know, how important it is to have people with that institutional knowledge around. And we talked about term limits, and the first thing you always think about is the fact that you're going to lose people with critical knowledge on how these things came to fruition. And I think you're in a key role, no pun intended. Um, but you having the knowledge you've had and haven't been able to see all the things that you've seen have landed you in a spot I think that is really, I guess, important and transformative for our state. Education is huge. Um, it's going to be the driving factor and changing a lot for a lot of students around the state. I will commend you on doing a really great job um, because it's not an easy lift. It's not. Yeah. And well, I, the day I found out how many schools there actually were in this state, I was blown away. And to have to oversee all the changes and the nuances of that is tremendous. So I have to respect anybody that can deal with detail to that degree. Well, that's that's that. pretty tremendous. And you have an exceptional staff. So I yeah. wanted to bring up the people that you have around you. Um, every time I've ever had to visit with ADE and had any questions, I could say that your staff is very prepared and equipped to do that. So 
I think leadership and being an influencer says a lot when you're able to, to bring together those minds and accurately use them to help propel us and put us in a really great position. So I have to say kudos to all the really sharp minds that you have uh, over there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, my, my right hand, uh, Dr. Ivy Pfeffer, she's, she's fantastic. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, you know, came from Pocahontas, uh, was a, a great high school principal there in Pocahontas, was at the department b before I got there. Mm -hmm. um, but just uh, the leadership that she exhibits uh, and the leadership she exhibited as an assistant commissioner mm -hmm. uh, there at the department, absolutely, she was uh, the best choice uh, when I had that opportunity to, to uh, appoint a new deputy. But prior to that, Dr. Gocher, Mark Gocher, was uh, was great mm -hmm. as well. And you know, I always uh, I always look at and, and try to. Uh, lead with an open hand mm -hmm. and, and when I get good people I you know I know this is a recording but if you if, if you stick your hand palm up out in front of you if you're listening to this uh, versus a, a closed fist you know what happens if you close your fist you know you're going to choke somebody out or they're going to slip through your hand but if it's an open hand uh, you're giving them the support but when they see opportunities to grow and that mean that may mean they have to leave you mm -hmm. uh, I want to be able to support them if that's, that's something that's good for them. And that's what we saw with Dr. Gocher, went to Russellville, uh, which is home for mm -hmm. him, and he's doing a fantastic job. He's a great education leader. Dr. Jeremy Owa is another that we had at the department for a relatively short time, but he had exhibited leadership. Uh, he helped get Little Rock uh, Fair, J.A. Fair High School, mm -hmm. off the academic distress list, helped uh, create the new Jacksonville North Pulaski school district uh, when he went up there and then came to the department and now uh, he is working to turn Pine Bluff school district around uh, as a state appointed so I, I could just look at everyone on my list Stacy Smith in curriculum instruction she's great I've got a great CFO our, our CIO Arisha Sarkar is uh, just fantastic with the tools that he brings and the programmers that he brings to the table to create tools that to help educators do their job better and, mm -hmm. and increase transparency. Um, you know, when we add someone to the team, we have a recent addition with uh, Gina Wendell. She's our chief of staff. Um, came straight from high school. Uh, She's sharp. As she is very sharp, very, uh, very smart, has a lot of experience. And, you know, when the governor, uh, after the School Safety Commission issued their report and they uh, really said we need to look at school counselors and their duties that's what Gina had done yeah and she so being a school counselor you well, know I had someone right there from the trenches that absolutely is, that absolutely is great. it's, it's, it's not somebody that was Harvard educated or knows about education but these people have on the ground served. experience yeah. and you know the, the challenge is um, you know there are there are hundreds of great educators, mm -hmm. great leaders around the state. Um, not all of them are able to relocate mm -hmm. uh, to Little Rock to work at the department. Um, our pay scale is not as competitive with some of the, uh, not even some of the larger districts, some of the yeah. medium-sized districts. Uh, their pay scales are high. So it's hard to recruit the, the best talent because you're not the, uh, when you're not the highest payer, you, yeah. you can't, uh, but what happens is 
we want to create at the department, we, and I think we have, an organization that people want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily even just meaning they work there, and but they want I, to be engaged. I have to point this out. It's like hiring nurses, right? You want people who actually are there with the with the best intentions. Yeah. And their hearts are there. I yeah. can tell by a good deal of people that I interact with that their hearts are in it for mm-hmm. the education and making sure that those kids are getting the best that they possibly can. I yeah. think that's awesome. Well, the way they go to bat for, for each other, the way they go to bat for the students, and, you know, we're just going to be straight up with you all. Sometimes when you are making the best decisions for students, that's not always the most convenient decision for grown-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, even at the department, <laughs> we've learned that. And as we uh, transition from No Child Left Behind to yeah. uh, under the Every Student Succeeds Act now, um, you know, it, we really try to keep that student focus, and sometimes we, um, you know, we make tough decisions, but we always do it with that, you know, how does that affect a kid in the classroom? Yeah. Well, you do a great job, and I want to go back to you being a legislator. Um, so you're pretty near and dear to my heart because I happened to oversee the 529 plan, and you were part of the, the, that group that gave us the state's 529, do you remember too much about those days? What was the conversation around getting this thing passed? Well, I think the original legislation uh, happened just a, a couple of years before I got there. Mm-hmm. But what I recall about the conversation was, and of course the you know, 529 came uh, through you know, the federal, federal, yeah. uh, federal legislation at a time when you know, the, it seemed like Congress was actually, and the president was actually uh, able to work together a little bit more. <laughs> and we look back at that uh, at that point, and we, you know, in that time of our history, and we didn't think so at the time, but there were some really good things that came out uh, mm-hmm. of Congress in the 90s, uh, early 2000s, uh, with respect to uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And 529 is, is an opportunity. But I know when I came to the legislature, uh, it was, you just didn't, folks didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the participation rates were low. Uh, the, you know, the understanding of how it worked was yeah. low. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a challenge we continue to fight to, yeah. to this day yeah. and try to tackle. So we worked, we tried to work on things that would encourage uh, parents to look at the opportunity, and especially for low-income you, you look at 529s, you look at the opportunities with Arkansas uh, Academic Challenge, scholarship, mm-hmm. the lottery, uh, a number of the other programs that have come into play over the last decade. Um, there's no reason for a student not to have some assistance right. when they go to college. Right. Uh, have a six-year-old great-niece. She's in kindergarten at Farmington, and um, her mom said, she has too many toys. <laughs> when her birthday comes, her birthday was in January. So when her birthday comes, put a contribution to her 529. Love it. Well, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, it wasn't as easy to do that. Right, right. That's true. And now, you know, it's, it's easy. I just have a code, and that code gives me access to yeah. put money in. And it's protected, and it, I know it's for yeah. her. So, um, you know, well, I wish we had those tools, you know, 2005, mm-hmm. 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. um, and I think we would see uh, thousands more dollars in yeah. kids' accounts 
uh, the outreach now is better. You know, yeah. we tried that aspiring uh, scholar, scholar matching grant. grant. Yeah. It it was again it was it was good in concept, but I don't think the participation ever got to the point that we hoped that it would. And you know, and I'll I'll tell you, it actually did get really great. You probably hadn't seen the numbers uh, upon the the end of the pilot. But it did really well, and I can actually say that a lot of students got to use that money towards higher education. Yeah. So yeah. you're at the point now where we're actually seeing those kids get to age 17, 18. Well, that's great. And that's they're great. using the money. So the success is there, and you wish people would have taken more advantage of yeah. an opportunity like that. But again, messaging, we it's, were still new. It's really about, it's like that, what do they say, the, the bamboo uh, that doesn't grow but it can grow you know like four feet overnight or something there's certain certain uh strain of bamboo that does that and, you know that and that's that's tough when you're in the early uh phases of something that, yeah. that you can't see the result we always think okay we know that 10 years from now this <laughs> and just not seeing the progress yeah, uh, yeah. in those early well, years humans, we need instant gratification we do we so, do yeah um but now with the outreach that's happening um you know where where we can partner you know with our family and community engagement team at the department other groups mm -hmm. that you know can go out there that we can really stress the importance of yeah. uh, saving early and that's what it's about it's saving yeah. early uh you know it wasn't just 529s that i was interested in i was interested in um, you know the retirement, right? Uh, because I, I heard stories about state employees or uh, teachers, school district employees that struggled, even though we have some of the best retirement systems in the nation, mm -hmm. um, because of their you know low salaries in yeah. a lot of cases. That retirement maybe still wasn't Enough. sufficient yeah. in their later years. So you know I thought five twenty nine is a good way to help us get. Uh, better college going and completion rates and then uh, the uh, the diamond plan Arkansas mm -hmm. diamond plan was something else that I, I really wanted to see how can we increase the participation and now when you get hired in as a state employee the default is you're in the plan yeah you have to actively say I don't, I don't want, want to be in the plan okay. um, folks say well that might be a little heavy-handed well I don't think so I, I think that uh, you know, and if there's a way we could figure out how to do that 529, be I, I'd be all for it. But it's about the opportunities you're given. They're the out person. there. They're and, out there. Yeah. And it makes you aware of what those opportunities can do for you in the future. And I, I don't know. Have you ever, like, roadmapped your career? Have Do you have, like, oh my, like some different I, mile markers for Johnny Key? Because I'm feeling like there's over 50,000 bullet points on this piece of paper. Well, there you could be. You have a be. tremendous career. You know, I, I go back to... Uh, my time at the University of Arkansas and uh, Jim Turpin, Dr. Turpin. Mm -hmm. He was uh, one of the chemical engineering professors uh, out of several that I really have high regard for, but Dr. Turpin and Dr. Babcock were two that I just hold in great esteem. And um, uh, probably had it not been for Dr. Turpin uh, helping me find a place, because when I graduated uh, back in uh, 89, I was... You know, my opportunities were mainly in Texas or Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, gas industry or the oil industry or the chemical industry, Louisiana, I think uh, I had an opportunity to go there, Mississippi. Um, I just, I was a newlywed and mm -hmm. my wife was from Springdale uh, and I thought, you know what, I really 
don't want to go out of state. I want to stay in Arkansas. Uh, all my friends were going, you know, other places. Uh, and Dr. Turpin picked up the phone, called somebody uh, that was a former, you know, one of his former students, and said, "Hey, I've got this this uh, graduate. He's uh, wants to stay in state. Do you have any opportunities?" Mm -hmm. And uh, and he did. That's how I ended up in Mountain Home, uh, working for Brian Burns, uh, who was also a chemical engineer. <laughs> Uh, graduated several years ahead of me, and Dr. Turpin helped set that up. So, uh, if I look at a roadmap of my career, it really starts there mm -hmm. uh, because that kept me in state. Had I gone to Texas or Oklahoma or Mississippi, or Louisiana, who knows? I mean, it would have been a totally different path. Uh, getting a mountain home—that's what got me involved in local uh, government with Quorum Court. Served there six years and had an opportunity to run for the legislature, and you know that's a lot of bullet points, a lot yeah, of lot of a lot of points on that map. One uh, question: Do you consider yourself to be an influencer? Do you see yourself as being that guy I, that has a great deal of influence? I don't think of myself that way. Mm -hmm. um, just uh, because if I, it, I mean, obviously I am, but if I start. I don't want to think of myself that way because I don't want my head to get so big I can't get out the door. Uh, or, or I've never my, met a politician with a big head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we both know better than that. Um, I've, I want to do something that matters. You know, I want to have I want to have an influence uh, with the work that we do with uh, the people that we interact with. Uh, that you know the. I look back and I see things, man, I wish I could have done that a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, but I, if I am an influencer, I want it to be for the right reasons. I want it to be for positive. Uh, so I, I don't work uh, to, to, to be an influencer, but I work to make sure that uh, what I do put my hand to, that it's going in the right direction. Awesome. Yeah. John? Yeah, well, we're getting towards the end of the program, so we'll we'll get back on, uh, like, we'll get into the really serious stuff now. <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to ask, and uh, before, and then after this, we'll do a little lightning round, that kind of, you know, uh, questions, that real short answer one. Okay. But uh, one of the things that, you know, when I was a kid, and I was, we grew up about the same time, 70s and 80s, and yeah. when I was a kid, Evil Knievel was the king. I mean, yep. that, that was my superhero. And so my question that I like to ask people that are in, that I consider influencers and, and leaders is uh, other than a parent, because we've already talked about your parents' influence, but uh, as a child, who is that larger-than-life figure, like an evil Knievel for me, but uh, and what impressed and attracted you to them, you know, to just kind of yeah. see... You're thinking in that. Well, I was a big Dallas Cowboys fan and uh, <laughs> have been through years of frustration uh, over the last few decades on that. But uh, when I was a kid, Roger Staubach was, uh, he was the guy, you know, mm -hmm. just clean cut, you know, Navy guy. My dad was in the Navy and uh, it just uh, seemed, seemed like he was, uh, he was a guy you wanted to be like. And, and so when I was a kid, it was really those sports figures that uh, that I had a lot of esteem for um, Nolan Ryan you know I, mm -hmm. I name I named my son Daniel Ryan Daniel for my dad Danny mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Ryan for Nolan Ryan so uh, I really 
he was somebody that I really thought, well, if I was, a, which I wasn't a pitcher, but if I ever was a pitcher, that's the kind of pitcher I would be. <laughs> just go right at you, you know, yeah. just uh, mow you down. Um, and then as I got, uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, I, I just, President Reagan was somebody that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, think, uh, thinking about the things he was tackling, uh, the years coming out of, uh, it all makes a little more sense now. I didn't think in this, this term then, but coming out of Watergate era mm-hmm. and the Vietnam War era and all the, the Cold War and everything that he went on, it's like, well, he, he was somebody that I thought, um, you know, if, if I could communicate with people like that, you know, obviously I can't, nobody, I mean, very few yeah. people, you know, yeah. Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, there's, mm-hmm. there's some folks like that that can, and it's a very rare art, but... Uh, he, he was somebody else that I looked to as um, somebody I held in great esteem. All right. uh, well, now that brings us to we'll, we'll close out with this. Unless Emma, do you have anything? Oh, I'm I'm good and done talking. Right. Well, we're, I'm still trying to figure out who that uh, Dallas Cowboy player is that you referenced. Oh My Google is now, burning up over yeah, here. Yeah, you had to Google. To, yeah. Johnny and I feel really, I don't really think old I'm right now. Yeah, when you said 2002. Yeah. Graduate yeah. 2002. Yeah. Right. I, I'm trying to keep up with some of these historical references. (laughs) 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 Historical references. Yeah. Wow. The uh, I like to call this the lightning round. These are the little easy questions that uh, you know kind of gives you people kind of a peek behind behind the the veil a little bit. All right. Favorite group or artist? Who do you sing along with the loudest in the Oh, uh, Leonard Skinner. All right, Leonard Skinner. That you know all and, the words to Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, oh, yeah. And I don't I'm not going to sing them for you. Probably, probably not. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to take my daughter is 20. She took me to Leonard Skinner concert at the Amp last year. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, cause, yeah it, was just, it was her idea. That's awesome. Um, it was you cool. That was a good show. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. All right. Uh, your biggest guilty pleasure. Oh, Mexican food. Mexican food. I Wait, can... do you get rice and beans, or is it just you go for it? What is it? Everything smothered and covered on the plate? Uh, it, it just depends on. What I mean, it, but I could eat Mexican food about every day. You know, I just yeah, and and roll out the door. <laughs> All right. Chip, chips and salsa and cheese dip. Oh That's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. This one will probably reveal the most about your character. Cat person or a dog? Person? Oh, dog. Dog person. Oh, dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not even, not even close. All right. So, all right. Well, this is the last lightning round question, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap this up. One sentence or statement or advice that you can give to a young person starting out today. You can turn mm. and look. You can at add me. some comments. You can, if you and you can to. ask. You can since I'm yeah. a young person, you can actually give me that. Well, um, I. I one sentence I would say don't be afraid to take risks and don't be afraid that it's not going to work out failure is only failure if you stop if you just say if you quit if you stop that's when it becomes failure trying something new is more than one sentence but trying something new and it not working out doesn't mean you failed it just means you learned a way not to do it Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sense with a few commas. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Johnny. All right. Thank, Thank you y'all. for coming in. Enjoy it. Thank yeah, you. All right. Thanks. We appreciate Johnny Key for taking the time to sit down and visit with him and I. And we look forward to more episodes of the Voices of Influence podcast. Thank you for listening and have a good day.